I'm Sarah Cooper. And I'm Sabrina Faramazi. This is Footnotes. It's a little experiment to try and capture what happens in the process of us creating a full-length newsletter. So hobbies was fun. Yeah, it was really nice to hear from a lot of my friends personally that they had had the same struggle with whether or not a hobby can just be a hobby or whether or not you have to be perfect at it. Um, I loved all of the, yeah, everyone telling telling us what their hobbies were and what new things they've been trying out and what kind of things they want to do in the future, but obviously with a non-productive edge. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favourite hobbies um, that some of you uh, kind of emailed and texted and WhatsApped us about um, was from Odette, whose hobby is trying to sing as high a note as possible just because she can, which I love. Does Odette have neighbours? <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> and they're probably loving it. Who was telling I feel me... like that's such a Mariah Carey vibe. <laughs> Someone was telling me that they live by an opera singer and that the whole time during quarantine that everyone's been kind of out of work has just been really fun because she's been keeping that's up with cute. her practice. I highly doubt any of my neighbours enjoyed my saxophone practice <laughs> during quarantine. Um, yeah, but we do have a pianist on the top floor, which has been very sweet. Someone across the street from me is learning how to play the violin, and it's actually really nice. Oh, that's that's a good, yeah, hobbies with, like, um, beneficial side effects, positive externalities. Have you had any new hobbies since then? Have I had? Well, it's been hot really really hot here so I haven't even had normal life it feels like I'm just laying in bed covered in ice all the time that's a hobby that's a hobby that's definitely <laughs> a hobby um I found a new hobby I now make German haikus or really? haikus in German <laughs> but it was a good way of like you know remembering all the different kind of grammatical concepts and like also forgetting that learning German is kind of a hobby technically but it feels like too much work it's so much work especially when you're like your life depends on it it's I more think work than enjoyment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like when you're learning a language for fun it's a hobby but when you're learning a language so that you can ask for like directions like it feels like not it's a matter hobby. of survival <laughs> survival skills that's not a hobby. so what do we do now <laughs> what should we do for the next issue yes what have you been thinking about i i have been thinking about quite some things um Inspired by the, a conversation that we had about back to school, um, people kind of going back to school or people finding themselves just in this like moment of like renewal um, and especially career wise, you know, if you've lost your job or if you had been defining yourself a lot by a previous profession that is now no longer available or feels impossible, um, opera singer ballet dancer, uh, run-of-the-mill freelance journalist. Who, yeah. <laughs> freelance journalism is definitely a hobby. <laughs> we definitely don't earn enough from it Not for it to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just kind of got me thinking about um, one thing in particular, which is like, obviously we've been here before. Like not everything that we've been doing for the past few decades has been the way that humans have been living for all of human time, like modern time is just a product of everything that's come before it. And so I was just thinking about like in moments of change, 
in the past, where have people made leaps and bounds in their personal and professional life? You know, like who was the early like maverick innovator after the Black Plague and created a whole new industry that now we just take completely for granted. Mm. So that's what I've been thinking about. What about you? That's really interesting. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think that like, um, especially in the kind of the last week um, in the UK with um, ev all the students getting their A-level results, which is obviously super important for all of their university um, admissions and, um, and, and many of those results were based on kind of mock exams and things like that. And just how terrifying it is. Like, I never want to be 17, 18 no. again in that mm -mm. situation. Like, it still brings me so much fear yeah. and trauma, just like remembering that. And I think, I mean, this isn't just obviously in the UK, this is in um, many, many countries across the world, but it's interesting how we're still on this sort of timeline where September feels like a, a restart, yeah. right? And so there's also been lots of conversations about like, what do we do after the great pause that has been uh, lockdown and coronavirus? And there's, there's lots of like uh, this term being thrown around about the great reset, but um, it's not particularly a reset because it's just a rethinking of your existing life right and so I've been thinking a lot about how how we can change our kind of perspectives to view this space and how particularly not just for for young people but people of different ages like how can we rethink what we understand as our future and how can we rethink what planning for our futures looks like? Yeah, I think that a part of, you know, like going back to school and this change of the seasons and thinking about reinventing yourself. Um, I think what's different now is that we that's like basically been front of mind for everybody throughout this whole thing is like what comes next what come next we can't stop asking we can't stop thinking about it um despite the rise in like meditation apps or maybe that's why there's been such a rise in like meditation and people trying to practice like mindfulness because it's like you just you have to stop thinking about the future otherwise it will literally drive you crazy um especially because i think that we're just really ill-equipped to think about the future like as a human species like it's yeah. just not something we're very good at yeah because there's this part of your brain um that when you think about yourself it like has like high activity mm. but when you think about other people it sort of like that activity goes down a little bit but it also just like flatlines if you're um talking to someone that you feel like you have nothing in common with <laughs> which is quite interesting but but basically, there's a bunch of studies that says that when you try and imagine your own life in the future, the further out you imagine it, the less um, you, this part of your brain like powers up. And so your brain essentially, in other words, acts like your sort of future self is A, someone you don't know, but B, someone you don't even care about. So it's like trying to hack your brain to care about your future self. And I wonder what that looks like um, if we do it collectively, because coronavirus has made us think about 
how we, our behaviours and our actions impact the health of not just other people, but other communities and societies. And, and you know, how, how do you hack your brain into thinking properly about the future and also the present and what your present does, your, your present behaviours do to your to your future self? And, and, and how do we get around these kind of, um, you know, normal ways of thinking that have completely shifted, you know, because we've never had to prepare for how to think about what happens after a pandemic because we've never been through a pandemic. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Because if you look at the science of how we make decisions for the future, we base a lot of our expectations for the future based off of what has happened to us in the past. If you're a person who's had a lot of negative experiences in the past, you will have a tendency to be more pessimistic when you think about the future. And likewise, if you're a person who has had very good experiences or views their past experiences very favorably, you're going to look to the future and assume that it's always going to be the same. So here you have like this pre-existing bias ingrained into you, uh, but we're, we're in a place where we can't look to the past for any kind of model of what's going to come next. Uh, So all we have are our biases and all we really have are our little neurological quirks to guide us and not a lot of actual experiences or facts. I think that like hacking your brain is exactly is exactly what you have to do because if it's not all of us who think this way, right? There's a there's groups of people who don't have this decision paralysis or who don't feel this kind of like who who think about the future differently, whether it's an entrepreneur who has this mentality of I'm going to be the person that makes it when they see so many others fail or whether it's a doomsday prepper who sees the apocalypse looming around every corner. Like there's all these different ways of conceiving of the future, but they're really edge compared to how most of us are wired to think. So it will be really interesting to see how for the majority of us, now that we're thrown into completely new situation, what can we learn from these people who might be sitting here thinking like, welcome to my world, you know, like I was ready for this. And what made them ready for this? What makes you ready? Yeah. What is it <laughs> how about? How do you get future ready? Yeah. What, what, how do you hack your brain? Do you have to be someone who has like a complete lack of self-preservation to be the kind of person who can throw themselves into an uncertain future and make it out? all the more successful you know like yeah so it's like how do we how do we hack our brains to make better decisions at this time because I think that we're all having decision paralysis because we're basing them on variables that we don't know Mm. but I wonder if it's like a re-education and a repositioning of how we think about our futures and and what and kind of reprioritizing like what is important like is there is there some kind of formula for that is there mm. someone uh, or some group of people much smarter than us that that have done something around this that that we can share with everyone that's actually really interesting like a formula for because you know there are these like quirky formulas for happiness or there's all of these like statistical formulas that i get super excited about like in econometrics for like tipping points of innovation and the types of, like the environmental factors that need to exist in order for there to be a certain like propensity for innovation. 
which I wonder what those models look like right now. So what are we gonna what are we gonna look at? Is it like how to how to think about the future or how to innovate yourself or yeah, what's 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 a post pandemic toolkit? Yeah. Oh, I like that. I also like playing with this idea of the new normal because I hear it so much. Yeah. Um, but what does it mean? What does it mean? It doesn't yeah. mean anything. And I think it's kind of um, something that not enough people are poking fun at yet. Well, BBC did this really um, interesting. Uh, it was more like a kind of a visual essay, but um, they they mapped out what kind of the future of the office would look like. Mm. But that's, it's much more interesting to think, because, you know, people think about offices because they're physical, mm-hmm. s- expensive spaces. And obviously there's been some talk about, like, homes as well and everyone, like, trying to make their homes as, as nice as possible because we're going to be spending more time in <laughs> yeah. there. Um, but no one's really thinking about, like, I guess the basic sort of day-to-day interactions and and what that would feel like. Yeah, yeah, when you come to things like new normal, like the idea of normal and the idea of new, they are like diametrically opposed. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's an oxymoron, new normal. Yeah. But when you look at how everything does kind of go in circles, like whatever we do will just be some kind of iteration of what we've already done. And so how will that come back in this new normal, in this new existence, you know, like offices or homes or how we talk to each other or the things that we like or the things that we buy. They're just going to be iterations of what we've already liked and talked about and done, but under different circumstances. And I I like that idea. Thanks for listening. We will be in your inbox uh, the first week of September with a full-length issue. In the meantime, we're going to go look at some data. (laughs) And think about what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. For example, in one week. (laughs) (laughs) Long time. Long time. That person is a stranger to me. (laughs) (laughs) And tell us what kinds of decisions you found really hard uh, since coronavirus has changed your life. I definitely find it more difficult to get dressed in the morning because I'm spending more time at home (laughs) and sort of feeling a bit out of practice with that. Um, But yeah, general decisions on like, you know, when when am I going to see my family again? And when am I like, how do I how do I approach like going back to the office if Mm -hmm. that's even a thing anymore? You have all of our contacts, leave messages, send us messages. We love it and we'll see you soon.